Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? We're doing quite well. Naturally, uh, let me just make one quick shout out as we get started to my buddy, Micah Tapman, who just, just tried to call me right before we started here. So sorry, Micah, I'm on the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other announcements you need to make, uh, Greg, here at First School of Supply Chain? Uh, no, none really, Scott. Thank you, though, for this this opportunity to air that personal note. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I hear some good news. We're going to be back in the studio uh, making, you know, uh, getting ready to to move in, hopefully, for some in-person in-studio programming starting probably in September. That's, That's night, right? I'm bringing the pizza. You're bringing the beer, right? Yes. You're not supposed to say that. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm bringing being, the juice bringing, boxes. Yeah. I, I'm bringing the... Yeah, avocado <laughs> toast, and you're you're bringing the kombucha. Thank you, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. But hey, folks, today we've got a special double dose of the supply chain buzz. There's too much news and goings on to get to knock out in a single live stream. So we've got a couple of outstanding guests. Of course, our dear friend Kelly Barner is joining us. She also leads uh, Dial P here at Supply Chain Now, and she's bringing a hard to get guest. We had to go through her agent to get Rose Lee with Tech CXO. So stay tuned. We've got some great perspective uh, joining us here momentarily. But Greg, before we do that, we've got to work through some announcements, right? Yeah, there, yeah, some announcements and there may be a few people uh, watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's this right. just keeps growing. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're going to say hello to some of those folks here in just a moment. A lot of our good friends are already logged on. But Greg, July 27th, we got this webinar with our friends at Esker and Texas Christian University. Uh, Kevin and I are going to be hosting. It's all about digital transformation, not just accelerating your supply chain, but strengthening your supply chain. So y'all join us there July 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern time. The link to join is in the show notes. Bring your POV, bring your voice. We want to hear from you during that session as well. Yeah. Greg, have you checked out this mini master class that we've got teed up for July 29th? I see that. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. I think that'll be interesting. I mean, if you think about who we're brought together for this, we have the world's renowned person, Rodney Apple, who is all about supply chain careers and helping right. people and, in fact, writing a book about it. And then we've got Peter Bollet, who has end to end done his entire career in supply chain from right from the time he started until retirement. And now Peter is... I'm sure happily sharing his experiences with people. I mean, I mean, that's really valuable for anybody at any phase of their career, not just folks getting started. Agreed. And that's just a tip of the iceberg. Maria, Crystal, Mark, right. in addition to Rodney and Peter and folks, it's free. So we should thank this great panel of folks that's, that's looking to give forward and help people advance to their career and find jobs and work with recruiters. So join us July 29th, 4 p.m. sharp. You can uh, learn more at supplychainnow.com. And then finally, one last announcement, Greg. A big deal coming up in September, the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit, September 7th through the 9th. Supply Chain Now is the exclusive virtual host of the uh, the stream from the event. Now, folks, you got to sign up and there's a little there's a little bit of a fee for this one, but for all good reason. Two and a half days you're going to have you're going to hear from and be part of uh, discussions with some of the movers and shakers across global supply chain. Of course, kind of the MC or the the host for this whole shindig, Laura Cesari, the one and only Laura Cesari. So Greg, what are you looking what are you looking forward to here in September? I, I just think that first of all, we get to join. That's great for us. And we're going to sort of simulcast. I'm not sure exactly if that's what we should call it, but we're going to be, we're going to be sharing a lot of this live with, with the people who register. And you know, the thing that is always valuable about this event, every time that Laura puts it on is that it is a safe zone for 
managers, directors, executives, and above to really learn a whole lot from fellow practitioners and really take away something that they can change their business with. That's what's so powerful about it. It's a community event. And it's not about learning how to use your software better. It's about whether you ought to have software, what kind of software. It's even about business process or initiatives or, as Laura posted about today, vendor relationships and things like that. So there's a tremendous amount of value here. If it's not for you, because it is not inexpensive, Scott, what is it? It's $1,500 to, to register. $1,500 to register. So if it's not for you and it, and it is for somebody that you think could benefit from it, like C-level or director level or above, encourage them to do this. It's the most, what, what am I trying to say, Scott? It's the best spent 1500 bucks they will spend all year talking about supply chain. It really is. There's no agenda other than improving the craft. That's, so. that's a great point and, and very well said. And on top of everything Greg just shared, you're going to be able to, be able to supercharge super boost your networking and add a lot of excellent additions to your network at all levels, especially at the executive level. So y'all join us, learn more at supply chain insights, global summit.com. The link is in the show notes too. Okay. Let's say hello to a few folks, Greg, and then let's bring on our dear friends, Kelly and Rose. Let's see here. Yeah. David is back with us. David, hope this finds you well. Great to see you. I like the yeah. new, I guess it's not new anymore, but I like the, the relatively new headshot, right? Yeah, he looks like one of my cousins, by the way. <laughs> hey, you never know. Maybe y'all are fourth cousins, third cousins, or somewhere. A couple times removed. <laughs> Mukun, He's got the hair for it. That's, <laughs> welcome, welcome, uh, Mukun Kumar uh, via LinkedIn. Great to have you here with us. Let us know where you're dialed in from. Of course, Peter Bole, all night and all day. You saw uh, Peter on the panel for our mini master class. Peter, yeah. hope this finds you well. Shrinivas dialed in from India via LinkedIn. Great to have you back, Shrinivas. Looking forward to your POV here today. Of course, we've got Amanda and Allie and Jada behind the scenes making it happen here today. Thanks to all of them. Let's see, who else do we have here? Masawar via LinkedIn. Good morning to you. Great to have you here. Let us know where you're dialed in from. We'd love to uh, make the connection. Kelvin is, is, is dialed in via LinkedIn. Kelvin, let us know where you are tuned in from Marcos from Brazil. Welcome. Good morning. Let's see our friend Catherine McCleary is back. Catherine, how you doing? Tuned in via LinkedIn. Let us know. I think, well, Greg, I think she's in one of your favorite cities, Kansas City, I believe, right? Yes. Yes. I, one of my favorite cities. One. <laughs> one. Well, I know you're, you're, you're fellow Chiefs fans. and and Yeah, I would say you could see it all back here, but it's all blurry now since I got this this cool new camera, but I bet, bet people can make out what that is. Um, <laughs> well, now, bring it forward. We got to listen to Jada because Jada said no football talk. So uh, that's true. <laughs> There's a, we'll get back to that soon enough though. Yeah, true. Hello, Gregory dialed in from LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. Uh, looking forward to your POV. Muhammad is tuned in uh, via LinkedIn. Hey, let us know where you're, you're uh, dialed in from. Let's see here. Mervin is back with us. Mervin from Ireland. Mervin, I hope this your finds your family well, but uh, I hope you got some more recipes up your sleeve too, because we really yeah. enjoyed the last one you shared. Also, uh, be be planning that. Uh, what should we say? That uh, liquid refreshment tour. <laughs> That's right. Finally, uh, Doctor Vias, great to have you back with us uh, from Bangalore, India, via LinkedIn. Great to have you back. You've been, you know, I think Doctor Vias was on our very first live stream, gosh, a year and a half ago now. Wow! So great to have you. I'm so sorry for him. But you know what, Greg? Though today's live stream is going to be great because it's not just you and me. Uh, we've got yeah. two heavy hitters with us here today, and I want to yeah. welcome in our two guests. I want to welcome in Kelly Barner with Buyer's Meeting Point, of course, host of Dial P, and Rose Lee with Tech CXO. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, Rose and Kelly, how are we doing? Hey, guys. Great. The, the, uh, the lead time almost got us there, Greg. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that is, is a challenge is, Kelly always dresses better than I do, and I am, uh, yeah. Every time she comes on, I want to, I want to go grab. 
Are you saying that she was making a, le- a last minute wardrobe? <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a shape. better shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Kelly. Great to have you back. Rose, welcome to your first time yeah, with Supply Chain Now. Great to meet you. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me attend today. You bet. Uh, and we enjoyed talking baseball and your Padres uh, and your Cubs yeah. pre show. We'll have to. Uh, we're going to have a sports conversation soon. But first, Rose, before we dive into the buzz and all the, the cool things we're going to talk about here today, tell us a little about yourself, Rose. Yeah, sure. Well, now you already let everyone know that I'm uh, from San Diego since I'm a Padres fan. <laughs> My brother would be really disappointed if I said some other team. Um, <laughs> I currently live in Orange County, and I love avocado toast. With a poached egg on top of there we my go. avocado toast. <laughs> mm, so if you guys ever come out here, I'll have to make you an avocado toast. We have avocado groves everywhere in California, Southern California. Sounds um, delicious. Yeah. I am a partner at TechCXO, and the area that I focus in on is on revenue growth. And what TechCXO does, if you haven't heard of us, is we provide on-demand executive support for your organization. And Texia Casso started in 2003 in Atlanta, and we've grown to throughout the U.S. as well as the U.K. We help um, startups to mid-sized businesses from CFOs, now CEOs, COO, myself, a CMO, CRO, and CHROs. So the model is pretty simple. We go in there. It's on demand. We help you uh, where you need us. We start from strategy, of course, all the way to implementation, and we'll scale up or scale back, depending on what your needs are. Outstanding. Well, you know, as we were finding out pre-show, you know, Greg's, Greg's collaborated with TechCXO. We're going to have Marty Parker, who's part of the team. Uh, he's also adjunct professor at UGA in their burgeoning supply chain program. I think he and some bright UGA students are joining us next week. So, hey, the world's, the world's getting smaller every day, it feels like, Rose. So great to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, Rose, I worked with the company back when it was still called Tech CFO because it was all financial people, right? Yeah. Um, and as a startup, that's usually the weakest spot you have. It's great to have a fractional leader there to help you obviously manage finance, but also there's lots of mergers and acquisitions activity and funding activities in a startup. It's a really powerful tool. And, and as you know, we've kind of got to watch the the organization evolved to all of these additional roles. It's it's really been powerful to see. I, I you know I think I just mentioned the two folks, Mike Casey and Neil Miller, but I've also worked with, oh gosh, I don't know, probably four or five other other folks as fractional chief revenue officers and chief marketing officers and things like that. It's been powerful stuff. Greg actually yeah. has a, a Tech CXO tattoo on his right arm, Rose. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it started off as Tech CFO, and they rebranded to Tech CXO because of that exact same fact that yeah. people go in, CFOs, and inadvertently you'll realize there's other needs within an organization. And that's how the company has grown. We have over 100 partners now. Oh, yeah. Um from CFOs all the way, like I mentioned, all the way to CHROs, well, depending on when your needs are. Congrats. Lots of yeah. needs. Thank you. Great to have you here. Look forward to you weighing in on some of the uh, topics of the day here momentarily. Hey, yeah, before I go to Kelly and get a quick update on all the cool things going on over there, I want to say hello to Azalea Davis is with us. Uh, Azalea, stay tuned. We're going to be talking about your neck of the woods very soon. Oscar's tuned in via LinkedIn from Mexico City. Oscar, Welcome. Look forward to hearing your uh, POV here today. Gregory, by the way, Trinidad, Tobago, south of the Caribbean region. So, Gregory, great to have you back. And Demo Perez, Demosenes Perez is with us once again. Uh, Demo, I enjoyed your interview not too long ago on Supply Chain Now in Espanol. And Charles Heater is back with us. Charles was bringing the goodness uh, here in recent podcasts. And Peter Bollet, I'm stealing your term, goodness. Uh, I think, who was our friend from YouTube that we hadn't seen in a while? I always talked about the supply chain nourishment on these live streams. Oh, to uh, get them back soon. Went by a code name on YouTube, right? Yes. We'll, <laughs> um, we'll track them down and get, and get yeah. them back. But uh, in the meantime, Kelly Barner, no shortage of things going on. I think this is clone number three of Kelly because there are seven, actually there's seven Kelly Barners. Y'all may not know that, but there's just that level of activity. But what's going on at at buyers meeting point and 
What's up next with Dow P? Actually, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this. It's only about an hour from right now. I'm huddling with my friends at Una. We're getting ready to kick off a quarter of Dial P of working with them. So shout out to Anthony and Chris and Mackenzie. Uh, we're all going to put our heads together. And actually, it was just yesterday that we officially kicked their podcast back off, The Sourcing Hero, which oh, cool. effective this season I am hosting. And so you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in any of those episodes. Probably the most surprise we could pack into a procurement-based podcast. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to having everybody hear the episodes, including Scott, the one that I interviewed you on, and I did rapid-fire lightning round questions to sort out all those little personal details everybody wants to know. Um, wow. And then, of course, three months of Dial P with my friends at Una. We look forward to it. Had a blast with you. Uh, you know, we've had a, a variety of, of conversations here lately. It's mm -hmm. been really fun. Always a pleasure. Congrats on all the the talk about burgeoning. Tons of activity with Kelly yeah. Warner and Byers meeting. It's all good stuff, though. It is. It really is. And by the way, our dear friend, Madam Controller, Vicki White, says, Kelly, that color is uh -oh. gorgeous on you. I love you, Vicki. <laughs> Rose, that's our literally our controller, so we have to be good boys. Right. So, hello, Tom Holden. We, we can't promise you anything free. Right. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Tom from Louisville. Great to have you here today. What a great, uh, great city. We went there a few years back, and our oldest still talks about it. Okay, so but folks, we got to get into the news. There, there's a ton of stuff going on here, and I think we're going to start, Kelly. I just realized my slides are out of order. That is a, that's a bad thing to have, but I think I've got it right here. So I want to bring in, let's see, this will work right. So up first, we're going to be talking, Kelly, about uh, a story that hit your radar this morning with Lit Lingo, yes. AI-driven workplace communications looking out over your shoulder. Tell us more about this story here. So first pass, this is just another AI-based tech startup that's going on to its second round of funding. Uh, once they've completed the second round, they'll be just shy of $10 million that they've raised this year. That's not as interesting as what this solution does, at least what it's marketed to do, but what it could potentially do. So here's the basic concept. They use rules-based AI that can handle natural language processing to look at platforms like Slack, Microsoft Teams, Zendesk, even email accounts. And it trolls for things that maybe create some trouble. Maybe regulatory compliance, maybe legal compliance. Oh, and then there's that third one, workplace culture. So basically the way it works is if you're typing in a Slack channel and you say something that the lit lingo has been trained to view as unfriendly or as risky to the company in some way. Stage one is you get a little pop-up that says, hey, that's not really very nice. Maybe you want to rephrase that before posting. Hmm. But it wow. also tracks the data. So before posting. Oh, before wow. posting, it gives you a heads up. But it also gives sort of sentiment analysis in aggregate, which is fortunately anonymized. But if my understanding of this is correct, it also can flag managers if there's too much trouble. So, you know, on the simplest level, this sounds very, it sounds very basic, right? If you are in a regulated industry, there's legal risk associated with what is said internally on platforms, externally to clients, makes a lot of sense. You wanna cover all the bases, especially with so much of the workforce being virtual now. But when you get down into that workplace culture thing, that's when it just starts to kind of make the hairs on the back of your neck go up a little bit. There's a reason there's a copy of 1984 in that stack of books over there. And so I, as, as I was looking through the paper this morning, because this just hit, I'm thinking, okay, yet another investment in an AI-backed startup. Right. Okay, maybe not so interesting on that front, but I don't know. Do you really want people like sorting through and suggesting that the tone of your Slack message to a colleague is is not quite what the company wants to hear. Hmm, I don't so, know. Kelly, does it rate any humor or jokes before you send it? Because there might be, a, I might, uh, there might be an interested buyer here. <laughs> you mean it like that thing? It does rate it for appropriateness at the very least. I don't know if it has humor. But. I don't that, know if it does. The example they give on their own website is somebody typing into the Slack channel like, hey, don't be a dinosaur and something, something, do things the old school way. And the little okay, pop up boom. says like, 
oh yeah, that's not, you know, like how would your mother feel about you? You know, kind of a, like a <laughs> nanny kind of message. But I, you know what, I have to be honest, I think they're missing the boat humor angle, Greg and Scott, you guys should that's definitely it. reach out and give them that feedback because it would at least create a more positive user experience for people who are being told that their tone is unacceptable. <laughs> well, you know, and especially evaluating dad jokes, which is our favorite around here, at least my favorite around here. But you know, what's interesting, uh, someone mentioned, Kelly, you or Greg mentioned, you know, maybe uh, filtering out the F-bomb. There, That's part a, of what it does, yeah. Yes. Um, there's a dear friend of mine, dear friend of mine, that uh, when we'd bring him out to networking functions, that was just part of his you know, vernacular. And and it was one, one of those things after the seventh time of getting, you know, what's going on? I love that guy, but what's the deal with yeah. him? You know? But that was a coaching opportunity, right? Because for him and for, for many environments, you know, that, that can be – you know, just kind of how a conversation goes. And for many others, that's it's not, right? So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this um, Litlingo, I believe is the name of the company, how, how uh, the investment and the growth and, and more importantly, perhaps, is, is how widespread the application and how practical uh, it, it gets adopted. Greg, I know you're itching at the, um, or chomping at the bit to talk about maybe just the, the overall M&A environment right now. It's crazy, right? It is. And, you know, this, the, conceptual aspect of this that we're talking about isn't even new. I think it's probably the AI yeah. method and the real-time analysis because companies have been monitoring our emails since email has begun. What they haven't been doing is doing something with it necessarily and certainly not something preemptively. Mm. So, you know, the preemptive nature of this is has the potential despite its downsides it, and it, they are not insubstantial downsides. It has the potential to be very, very positive. And the truth is your emails being been being monitored for decades. If you've been using email for decades anyway. Um, so hopefully some aspect of this preemptiveness is positive. And as, yeah. as Kelly said, it look, it is big brother, but face it, it's not unlike how you're, how your speech is monitored at school by the teachers. Absolutely. So you're in their environment. You, you acknowledged that you'll play by their rules. If they have a new age way of monitoring the rules, you're kind of stuck with it. Mm. If you're at home and that happens, that's a little bit different. Story. But, and it's different. But, but AI of course is very hot for investment right now. And yeah. here's the, here is the not so secret secret of AI. AI is not hard to do these days. And in fact, it's not even expensive to enable these days. It has long ago, in terms of development talent, been democratized and also you know, made to be very cost effective. There's lots of AI talent out there. The yeah. difficulty comes in evaluating these companies in an M&A environment is do they own or did they construct their own AI or are they merely using a TensorFlow or an AWS AI tool that they have trained. Because if you are doing that, you don't really have any intellectual property. So this is one of the challenges. And if you listen to my episode with, with St. Azorlu, this is one of the things that we talk about. It's really hard to find technology companies who actually have intellectual property. Yeah. What a great lesson learned there, uh, Greg. Y'all check out, maybe we can, maybe Amanda can drop that episode in the comments. But I wanna bring in Rose, but before I do, as Aaliyah says, this is like supply chain Sesame Street. <laughs> hey, how about that? I love it. Uh, and we got a lot more to come, uh, as Aaliyah. All right, so Rose, whether you want to comment on, on what uh, Kelly and Greg just were talking about, AI or, or investment, or equally as important, uh, marketplace communication, because we've learned a lot in, in, in recent months, right? Yeah, this recent, this past year has been a learning curve for, for all of us, just to really understand what is necessary in communicating with your internal team. There was an article that was in Forbes on April 27th this year, and it was talking about the 2021 turnover tsunami. Mm. And what is the problem and what's the cause and what's happening and what business leaders need to be prepared for. And I think what's happened is this last year when we all were locked down and working from home, people started thinking about their work life balance, the culture, does it fit in with who they are? And 52% of employees are planning to look this year. And I'm, wow. I'm sure we've seen all that in LinkedIn and different places. And why are people looking? 
it's really basic. So I, I hear what you guys are talking about AI and my background is technology. And I get excited when I hear about technology, but what I'm going to talk about is really back to the basics, really increasing customer, uh, employee engagement, customer, uh, employee engagement, and being able to communicate effectively. And mm. I think this year, not only from Zoom calls, and I know a lot of times we're meeting with each other online, but you also have to have these really honest conversations and being transparent on a one-on-one -on -one basis, with your team, within the overall organization. And it's talking more about more than just the finance side of the business. It's really getting into what matters and what separates you from, from the rest of the, um, your competitors and other companies. And it's really understanding that or offering training opportunities, putting value and sharing, showing value to your employees. This is old school. It's not, you know, all this other big brother technology, but this is just really old school human interaction, the best way that you can manage that type of communication. This is a philosophy I've practiced for over 30 years to really show that you care. And that's when people want to stick around. They want to be a part of your team. They want to be a part of your organization. I love that, Rose. And, and mm -hmm. you know, there's some timeless leadership lessons, Greg and Kelly, that that uh, are just that are timeless, mm -hmm. despite the changes and the environment and some of the challenges we're seeing and, 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 you know, Greg, of course, as we've talked about a, a lot, um, you know, best practices change all the time, right? Because what worked yesterday may is not guaranteed to work today. Yeah. Oftentimes, but these timeless lessons of, of, of leadership and leadership practices, uh, what, what's old is new again. Isn't that right, Greg? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, and, and I, I empathize with both points of view. I mean, Kelly doesn't want somebody looking over. You don't want somebody looking over your shoulder. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about you like you're not. You're, you don't want somebody <laughs> looking over your, your shoulder, right? You're from the original bastion of freedom, right? The <laughs> the Boston Tea Party, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I think there I think there is a there is a place for that, and it, and we need people to be watching us as we slowly approach this line. As Leia kind of goes to that point, what if, you know, what if AI gets so smart that it doesn't just decide it doesn't like your tone, it doesn't like your point of view, right? Which is easy, by the way, as we have all evolved over time to be sensitive to that, particularly now, it, you know, it's easy to see AI getting there. It is just a child. Again, this is the way I always yeah. think about AI. It does what it's taught and and depending on how it's taught, it can be taught by us as well. So we have to really arm ourselves against that. But at the same time, to Rose's point, you know, there is a certain amount of cultural enforcement. I don't enforcement is probably a strong word, but whatever. Cultural enforcement. But I think it's worth it because, you know, a company needs to they need to guard nothing more preciously than the culture of their company. But that culture needs to have a, a solid tempering for variances of opinion and point of view, right? As long as it's kind and accurate. Yeah. No. I think the tricky part ends up being that people are so wily, right? And and like you guys say, we all know the reality. Everybody's been reading and monitoring our emails forever, right? It's, it's not a new concept. But having it continuously put in your face, like how many times a day as you're typing in Slack, are you getting these little prompts? Maybe people start to worry after how many prompts do I get referred to HR for like a communications refresher? And mm. I think what I would start to think about as a company potentially putting this in place is not only how does it make people feel these little cues, but, you know, speaking of Boston, there's an old time Boston politician that had this great expression. And it's like, don't speak when you can whisper, don't whisper when you can nod, don't nod when you can wink. Right. It's this whole progression of how to be as discreet as humanly possible, especially when you have something strong to communicate. And in a way, it's a little bit like telling your teenager they can't date. If you restrict people's speech and get up in people's faces about their communication style too much, especially on something informal like Slack, where hopefully at least in certain channels, customers aren't present, you're kind of driving people into live conversation where you can't monitor it at that's all. That's a good point. And so that's part of the delicate balance. If you want to teach people that you can't appropriately handle having access to their communications, if you you do have to protect your company against legal and regulatory risk, but if you don't trust your employees and if you're constantly pointing out to them that you don't trust them, 
it's just back to Rose's point about employee experience. It, it creates kind of a funny vibe, I have to think, although it might get people back to the office. Mm. If that's a silver lining, companies yeah, having trouble getting people back to the office. That's exactly the thought I, that's exactly the thought I had when you said that it could. So when you right. go meet in a park, right, and you sit on the park bench and you crinkle the paper bag you sandwiches in so that, like, the bugs in the bushes can't pick up your, right. your conversation. <laughs> right. So so much to dive into here. I want to share a couple of comments, and then uh, we're going to move to this next story. But excellent. I, I love the conversation, Greg, Rose, and Kelly. Lots of many great points made. Mervin says, hey, imagine a negotiation with a client via email with AI monitoring you and telling you to rephrase. How about that? I'd, I'd buy that. <laughs> Or monitoring monitoring the negotiation with the client and and giving you some justification for your phrasing or <laughs> right something you know something like that that could happen as well. Agreed. Terminator Peter says the movie is not as far fetched as folks make it out to be. How about that, Andy? Uh, welcome, Andy. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Via LinkedIn says the major drawback is that the consultants are not certain of the RI for these cool technologies with a K. I love that. And I agree. It's not an easy task. Agree with Rose. Peter adds, frankly, why you never negotiate over email. That's interesting. I know I've done some of that. Uh, I like for my communication style. I like the stop, pause and contemplate mm -hmm. aspect of the email cadence. Um, but you know, it doesn't replace a really good phone call and, and oftentimes a really good direct phone call, which is, which is, I don't know about y'all, but it's been some of my best learning moments um, as a an entrepreneur, as a, as a leader. Okay. So we've got to move on to this next topic. Um, lead times, lead times, lead times. Um, I, I want to, but as I tee this up for Greg white, you know, I was in a store yesterday. I'm on this, uh, this post-vacation diet, right? And I got the post-vacation diet blues. I don't know if y'all can relate, but picking up fruit juice, like the 100% natural stuff, right? One of our local favorite brands, uh, favorite local brands is Arden, Arden Bees, I think is based um, here in, in Georgia. Anyway, so I'm, I'm at the store. A lady pulls up beside me with her cart and she's looking around. She can't find her, this, this very specific carrot blend of juice. And she makes this comment of, Gosh, they're out of it again. And whenever I see it, I grab these two gallon jugs because it may, it may be a few weeks mm -hmm. before I see it again. And it's just, Greg, it's just one of those latest um, moments, right? That, that we're probably having just about every day, if not, you know, uh, every hour, it seems, where everything we want, like we're, we're kind of used to in a spoiled manner, isn't quite always there. And, and lead times and, and uh, product availability, th these things are continuing to be big challenges, right? Yeah, and and it appears getting worse. I mean, we talked before we came on the air about Kelly's beautiful backdrop that she has there with her desk and and bookshelf and all that. And I think you said Kelly, it took eight months. It did take eight months. And the hardest part about some of these lead times, which I also felt the impact of, is that nobody knew with any accuracy how to tell me what that lead time was going to be. I was mm -hmm. told it might be like sixty days. I'm like, okay, two months. Two months and eight months are very different. Now, for me, selfishly, I wanted my bookcase. But if you're a business and this is actually holding up a, a production line or it's holding up your ability to deliver to a client, that is an entirely different level of problem. Yeah. Yeah. And this article is talking about it's talking predominantly about that. But, you know, in my inimitable fashion, I didn't I wasn't bounded by the, the topic. <laughs> it just, it's just what it what did it make me think of? Right. And because they were talking a lot about MRO, about indirect materials, the things that mm -hmm. keep the lines running and the and the the uh, portions or the products that that go into a final and finished goods and and those things and how those lead times continue to rise. And what they talked about were, you know, what it made me think about was, well, what did we expect? Right. We ceased, literally ceased. Yeah. The, the global commerce virtually overnight. And, you know, this this is going to the the economy ha would have restarted in any way, in any situation, more like a Model A than an AMG. It's going to take some cranking and it's going to take, you know, messing with the timing and the carburation and and having that foot on the starter at just the right time. Yes, cars used to be started by foot while, <laughs> while, your, while your neighbor was cranking at the front end, too, by the way. 
So it, yeah, it is, it is literally, it's going to take that kind of time. And then, yeah. and then you throw on top of it, you know, the container shortages and, and whether they be accidental or, or intentional, all of the things that have driven up freight rates. And then you, and then you throw on top of it, the governments of the world paying people an additional $600 a week to stay home. Mm. Right. What did we expect to happen? And I, you know, and I think I was thinking about the impact of that and labor is the, is un, unquestionably yeah. the largest impact to the supply chain. Right. I mean, if you haven't, if you've been out of your house or you've talked to anyone who is in business, that is their number one discussion is I can't get people to cook. I can't get people to drive. I can't get people to run registers. I saw a Burger King closed at nine o'clock last night, mm. right? It aren't most Burger Kings open almost 24 <laughs> hours a day. I mean, that You're thinking about a Whopper now, Greg. Oh, man. <laughs> no, no, back to the carrot juice. Go back to the carrot with, juice. So much for your diet. <laughs> with, yeah. With avocado on it, which is the good mm. kind of fat, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Rose, a California burger. Right? <laughs> I love a protein burger. California burger in the eighties that had avocado on it. Mm. Delicious. Sorry, now now I'm hungry. Um, now I want a burger. <laughs> we can get a bean burger, or like you know, and and then you pile on things that always happen in the supply chain: the usual vendor shortages and weather, which happens every year, but made news this year because of the inherent fragility of supply chains when the storm in Texas occurred or when Ilsa occurs and things like that, because when the supply chain is already fragile and those natural consequences mm. occur, by the way, this year was not the first time that a, that a ship has gotten stuck in the Suez Canal, um, but the supply chain was already so fragile. And of course, all news, all news must be hyperbolic because as, as I say here frequently, traditional media is dying and they're desperately clinging for ratings so they can sell advertising. So, you know, when you think about all of those things, then you can see why the lead times have trouble. And because we have literally paid, at least in the States, I can't speak for other governments, but in the States, we have literally paid people to stay home. 51.9%. This is an interesting number considering the numbers you were tossing out, Kelly. 51.9%. Two or fifty-one point nine percent of people say that they they don't want to go back into the workforce because they're afraid of COVID. Mm. Right? COVID is it is in many states at a lower level than than March of last year when we shut everything down, mm -hmm. and and in many states or in many places the infections are actually going down. Now I know we have this new Delta variant. I can't really speak to that. I'm not a healthcare expert, but but I I would argue that a significant portion of those people who are who are afraid of COVID would be a lot less afraid of COVID if they weren't making $46,000 a year to stay home. And then everybody who is working, they're all new. Right. Like back to your point, Greg, if you have ventured out of your house recently to go to a supermarket, a wholesale club or restaurant, apparently every single employee, Rose, you're saying 51% or 50% of people say that they're gonna look this year. Well, apparently over the last four months, every single person in America changed their job because <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. And you're trying to be patient, right? You're like, I'm just so grateful to be in a restaurant. Thank you. But no one knows what they're doing. They've never worked together before. There's no critical mass of people that have been in the roles getting this stuff done. And so God love these business owners. They're bringing in whoever they can bring in. But it takes a while to ramp these things up and kind of get the people machine clicking. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a wacky summer from a labor perspective. And I think it's going to drag into the year, even as some of these other issues start to go away. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And, um, um, and, and we're on Lambda now, Greg, uh, heading <laughs> fast as Zeta. And that, you know, it, it, we talked about this the other day, Kelly, um, you know, trying to find, there's so much information out there, right? It's information overload and, and yeah. trying to, to really find um, good, accurate, um, uh, actionable information is, is, can be very, very challenging. And let, let's face it, I, despite what you and Greg both have shared, there's still, you know, there's a lot of fear uh, and, and it could be lack of information. It could be, you know, personal 
set of circumstances. It could be, uh, I think, uh, as Catherine mentions, you know, Missouri might be one of those places that uh, has had some challenging uh, statistics when it comes to, uh, you know, the kind of the COVID recovery. Uh, and of course, our friends overseas, uh, yes. wide disparity of, of um, kind of what the current status quo is. But the good news is, um, as we're going to talk about here momentarily, there is, you know, here in, in the States, we are able to get out more and, and, and uh, able to enjoy just those small things. You know, Kelly, you mentioned eating out and dining out and enjoying each other's company. You know, Greg, you and I will be together this afternoon. Man, how we've missed those simple things. Um, so let's do this, though. Rose, uh, I want to give you a chance to kind of weigh in on anything here before. We, and, and, and Greg, I'll give you the, the last uh, comment on this lead time story. But Rose, anything sticking out? For you here based on what we've talked about with lead times and and product availability we we're talking porch furniture before we went live here today any any uh any insights from you i experiencing the same thing i'm not ordering porch furniture for next summer but you know <laughs> it might summer be after that it might be the yeah. summer after that now <laughs> just in the, the time we've been on this show lead times yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I'm experiencing the same thing. I have a built-in refrigerator. LED light went out. They're not supposed to go out. Six months right. later, I'm still receiving emails about the LED light is backordered. But you know what, though? One thing that they've done well, this company, it's annoying. My lights are still out. But they're telling me and they're communicating every single week. I apologize and it's the same thing when we went back to talking about internal communication. How do we can keep our employees so we don't have all these newbies that really don't understand the co company culture or understand how to serve a customer? It's really that internal communication, talking to each other and making sure that people are happy. There's a lot of folks, not only are people looking because they're sitting there evaluating, do I like this culture? Do they like me? Mm -hmm. Do they value me? I mean, there's also people that were uh, forced into early retirement and they're kind of like, I'm done. I'm out. Mm. I'm not going back. Yeah. So there's a lot of that happening right now. And I think we just need to be patient with each other. It's going to take some time. I think Kelly, you're right. It's going to go into this fall. Well said, Rose. Easily. And there uh, a wide variety of dynamics um, at play for sure. Um, okay. So Greg, I want to um, give you a final comment before I do though, as, as Amanda has pointed out, uh, I completely botched our favorite brand of um, juice. <laughs> I think what I did, I combined Cardi B with Arden's Garden and came up with a new brand, new brand, RDB. It's Arden's Garden is the juice that's based here in Georgia that we like so much. So, all right. But Greg, your final word on... It's okay. They didn't pay for that spot anyway. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> my, my oldest daughter is going to get a kick out of that. But uh, Greg, <laughs> your, your comments on final comments on lead time stuff. It's time to get back to work. I mean, the, there are plentiful and lucrative jobs out there and, you know, people are, they are staying home in droves. I recognize that people had to, or maybe were forced to leave their jobs, but that time is long past, long past. There are plenty of available jobs and they're paying more than they would have because of competition. Right. And particularly because all of this influx of capital, I mean, look, the, the inflation that we're seeing and the demand that we're seeing that exceeds the supply in many cases is because people have more disposable income. Right. There's this term now. Look it up. Google it. Revenge travel. They're calling it revenge travel. Where wow. people are going, they're I feel like I. Maybe subconsciously, I am revenge traveling. I traveled like three weeks last. <laughs> but I felt like it was necessary every time. Um, but, you know, there are people trying to get their lives yeah. back to some yeah. sense of normalcy or some sense of health that they feel in, in many, many ways. One of the best ways to do that is to be productive in your mind and in your body to be productive. And I think... It, it will come back around, but it's really going to take, uh, what is it now? I think it's like 31 states now are, are refusing the additional $600 a week mm -hmm. from the federal government. And there being three states are being sued by people who aren't looking for jobs on unemployment, which is another requirement, by the way, 
to still receive those those um, you know those benefits. So it's going to take taking that money, the government money, out of their hands and placing requirements as we have had forever on unemployment to actually look for a job um, to get people back to work. So. Kelly, I've got our next topic for a little side project. You and I have been working on this new series. We're going to have to get Greg and maybe Catherine together. And, and it's talk not about, about the juice, is it? I don't no. drink carrot no, no, juice. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I, I think Greg. I don't I do think, anything with carrots. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a much fuller conversation I think, I think we had along uh, what Greg's talking about with, um, you know, the, the, the policies and the workforce policies that yeah. a variety of governments have embraced. So um, a lot of good stuff there. We'll save that for next time. Partially because this last topic is mine. I want to share some interstate <laughs> goodness. Make sure you get yeah. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. I'm ready. No, no, no. No. This is this is why we do this, right? You you never know where the conversation is gonna lead. I really appreciate everybody's comments. We can't get to, you know, Paul makes a great statement about isolationism. I think we all maybe uh, underestimated the impact that might have pre-pandemic. I, I think that's a fair comment. Catherine and many others uh, say some fair fair things. But for the sake of today, let's move forward. Let's talk about interstates. And Kelly, I'm ready for the point <laughs> counterpoint here. But okay. Let me have my moment in the sun just for a second. Okay. So this, this is pretty cool. So, um, you know, we've been talking about, uh, infrastructure feels like for years. Uh, but certainly here in recent months as Congress looks poised to do something. And I, I think from a fun point of view, you know, it, thankfully we are uh, here in the States, at least, able to get out. And of course, if you're getting out traveling somewhere, you're probably on interstates, right? I know we just spent uh, a bunch of time on interstates coming back or going to Florida and coming back uh, a week or two ago. But what's also needs to be pointed out when we talk about infrastructure, you know, interstates and some of these obvious examples are only just a, a part of the equation, right? Infrastructure holistically, there's a ton that needs to be addressed, at least in my take, uh, hopefully uh, a portion of that with uh, the new legislation that's coming. But this nonprofit called TRIP, you see the, its logo there in the corner. It's a, um, well, as it says, National Transportation Research Nonprofit. Uh, they have offered up uh, a pretty deep um, uh, um, bit of, of research here lately, just published uh, in the last uh, week or two. And I wanted to, to share some things that you may not know about our interstate system, Kelly, Rose, and Greg. So let's dive in. So first off, it was built in 1956. You know, that makes it 65 years old. The Dwight D. Eisenhower National System of Interstate and Defense Highways. It's been called, did you know, the most ambitious public works project built since the Roman Empire, Kelly. The Roman Empire. For, um, Greg, how many miles do you think make up? Take a wild guess. The interstate highway miles. How many miles? I don't know. 200,000? Close, uh, 48,482. Oh. And I say close. Wow. Round, round I'm very round. optimistic, aren't I? <laughs> close is in not close. Those almost 50,000 miles, of course, carries a huge part of the $18.9 trillion in good ship from sites uh, in the U.S. each year. So let's look at the top states. If you live in Georgia, like two of us do, uh, others with roots here, you spend a bunch of time. Uh, but this is a, so from this trip research, they broke down where the worst, kind of where the worst uh, interstate conditions are. Look, if you live in Hawaii, 23% of your interstate miles are rated as in poor condition. I was surprised, Greg, not to see Georgia on really this bad top 20 list. I'm not surprised to see South Carolina uh, as, as, I certainly feel the bumps whenever I drive back home and, and I hear a lot of feedback about the miles, uh, about the, the state of the roads there. Um, secondly, bridges, folks. Did you know the average age of interstate bridges is 46 years old? 3% of all interstate bridges, and think of like overpasses and stuff, were rated in 2019 as being in poor or structurally deficient position. So if you look at these states of kind of where that 3% is, uh, Azalea, West Virginia, 13% of those bridges rated as in poor or structurally deficient are, can be found in West Virginia. 12% in Rhode Island. Who would have thunk it? Uh, that wouldn't have been uh, top for me. N nothing in Georgia here once again, Greg. Hmm. 
Have you raise your hand, folks? Raise your hand if you've spent ever spent any time standstill traffic on interstates. I think all four of us can raise our hands, right? Um, I was kind of surprised with this. this (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of, I got to, I got to share this here. Peter says pothole avoidance in Quebec (laughs) is a sport in the spring. I love that Peter. Um, So let's see here. So this was kind of surprising to me. When you look at this next bit of uh, what they call, what percentage of the interstates in all 50 States is what they deem congested. California rose. Number one, 80% of your interstates are deemed congested. Does that resonate with you? Oh, yes. Every day, even on the Sunday. <laughs> and we have six lane highways. Yeah. Freeways. I am They're jealous congested. of that. Uh, well, also look at this. So interstate system makes up 2.6% of all highway miles um, in the states, but 26%. Uh, the interstate carries 20, 26% of all travel. Um, and then finally, one one more thing I want to point out here as we start to wrap up is specific bottlenecks. So the study kind of pinpointed at least 20 top bottlenecks. Greg. Atlanta's in the top five twice. <laughs> twice. And, and, and how is measure, Boston not there? I was Hey, I was kind of surprised, um, yeah. Kelly. Uh, kind of surprised there. But uh, this little portion here is known kind of – very roughly known as Spaghetti Junction, one of the probably numerous places <laughs> referred to as Spaghetti Junction. I've officially spent 42% of my adult life <laughs> sitting right there in that square. But, you know, it's where 285, if y'all, plenty of folks travel to Atlanta, 285 meets that 85 northbound. There's been a ton of growth via Gwinnett County and, and further places north there. Ton of congestion. But, yeah, Greg, to your point, that's just one of the top uh, – one of the two – bottlenecks in the top four that yeah. this study has put out there uh, according to the folks over at trip so uh, amanda i think we're going to drop the the link to the study in the comments so folks can kind of uh check out all the the information for themselves but you know again folks not to be too simplistic i grew up in aiken county south carolina i-20 has bisected our county and it was how we got to the state capitals where i went to school um so lit you know living growing up on interstate you know it, it, we just assumed it was there mm-hmm. and i think we can we can easily forget about this but greg rose and kelly kelly you've got some a few counterpoints as it relates to the calls for the billions and billions of dollars that our interstates may need right i do and and it's actually interesting so i'm going to start in you know a conciliatory way by actually <laughs> offering up a nice statistic that that backs up what you've been talking about Uh, This is from a Wall Street Journal article that published, I think, on July 4th. By one estimate, the U.S. economy would be 3.9% smaller today without the interstate highway system that we got back in the 50s and 60s. So that's the good news. The bad news is that we already have the vast majority of the interstate infrastructure that we're going to get. Most of the investment that we're talking about making now, which I believe represents about 20%, of the current infrastructure bill that's sort of working its way through through Congress is like you had said, crumbling bridges, potholes, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit like renovating your bathroom or kitchen to sell your house. You don't get that money back in terms of economic growth, GDP. What you get is a house that you can sell or what you get in the case of infrastructure is roads that people feel better about, are happy about, do less damage to equipment, result in less insurance claims, that kind of thing. But if we're actually looking to say that putting this money into the economy, other than the jobs benefit, right, and the the local benefit specifically when that money is invested, long term, it's just simply maintenance that needs to be done. There's not actually economic growth that comes from that that's sustainable. So unfortunately, this is money that while it does need to be invested, at least in some portion, maybe right. not going where they think it's going to go or in the amount that they're planning to spend. It does need to be spent. These repairs have to be made. Right. But from an, e- an economic growth standpoint, we're not going to get that money back in terms of GDP, just like you're not going to get the money back on your house at the point of sale that you put into, you know, tiling your bathroom or replacing everything in your kitchen. Um, right. It needs to be done, but the return's not there. Gotcha. I, I appreciate that completely. I'm going to get Rose and Greg to weigh in on anything y'all might have found interesting or any personal experiences or your take on, you know, this infrastructure bill and what they're talking about in D.C. Rose, any comments, sir? 
but no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) So I hear what you're saying, Kelly, but selfishly, I think we need, we really need maybe not the entire portion, but we need some investments in our roads. They're 50 years old. And if I were dry, if I lived in West Virginia and I'm a little concerned about going over a bridge and especially in light of everything that's happening right now, I think we need to put some money into the infrastructure. And the advantages are there. We just may not get the economic payback that we're hoping to get. Well, and no. I just remodeled my kitchen and my bathroom. So I'm hoping to get more oh, money man. out of my no. house if yeah. I ever sell. <laughs> Sorry, Rose. I didn't know. No, she miss a beat. I tell you, Rose fits right in. I tell you. Um, but but well said, Rose. Uh, there is, you know, folks look at this differently, right? And I really appreciate Kelly that different angle because I think there are some out there that may be expecting that ROI to look differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about some of the overpass problems w- w- that we've we've seen just recent years that is, um, you know, that I'm hoping speeds up the action uh, and, and the right action, right? Because uh, we're right. all concerned. We want those dollars to be spent in, in a way that we, we get stuff rather than, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other things. But Greg, um, you know, Greg, you never tell us how you really feel. And uh, I'm really, I want to push you to really, you know, give us a firm opinion here. But what, what's your take? Dig here? deep, Greg. Yeah, well, I mean, we have completely misspent infrastructure dollars to this point. What we don't need is more investment. We need better investment. The, the funding for infrastructure has been adequate to keep our infrastructure up to date for the 60 years that our uh, interstate system has been around. We have misspent or brother-in-law projects <laughs> or, you know, or completely wasted the funding to keep these roads in place. And I have to tell you, it it frightens me to no end to give federal and state governments more money to waste. And if I was in California, Rose, I would be particularly afraid of that. Um, And I'm afraid enough of it in Georgia, right? (laughs) But, uh, you know, let's, to that point, by the way, in Georgia, we have the only interstate highway in America that does not cross a state line. Interstate 16 goes from Macon, Georgia to the to the coast of or to Savannah. Okay, we have an interstate highway that doesn't cross a state line. Should interstate funding have paid for that? Absolutely not. Why did it? Because we have very, very powerful politicians in Georgia. Right. Thank you, Zell Miller or whatever senator got that pork barrel project through. And it is projects like precisely like that that have wasted trillions and trillions of dollars on infrastructure. So do we need it? Yes. Do I have any faith that our U.S. government will spend it appropriately? Absolutely none. Mm. So that was an intrastate, not an interstate. That's right. (laughs) And also it's the worst. Rose, until recently, (laughs) by far the worst interstate highway that we have have in in Georgia, Mm. right? That just, my daughter... I had to go down that road to get to my daughter's university. And every time I did it, I had to put in headphones because the, uh, just so, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> so, terrible. So, um, I love, I wish we had another hour. I know Sorry. Kelly, you've got a, you've got a hard, uh, hard stop at one. So, um, as much as I've enjoyed you and Rose and the, and the conversation here, we'll have to have y'all both back. Um, and, and Rose, thanks so much for joining us here today. Uh, Kelly, of course, we'll see you back on, on Dial P amongst other things really soon. But really quick, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. Um, so Rose, Rose Lee with uh, TechCXO, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, you guys can find me on LinkedIn and it's Rose K. Lee one Wonderful. LinkedIn.com, Rose K. Lee one It's just that easy. And I think we'll yeah. have her information well, in show right. <laughs> especially <laughs> on replay. Um, and Kelly, how can folks connect with you? Uh, same deal. You can find me on LinkedIn, either as Kelly Barner or as Buyers Meeting Point. Um, Dial P now has all of its accounts set up across LinkedIn and, and Twitter. So absolutely find me, follow me one of those places and send feedback. I can take it. Well, yeah, we'll have yes. a conversation. That is right. And we're going to have a fuller conversation on mm-hmm. some of these these topics that deserve a um, um, a, a more passionate, more time to be spent on all the all the different things we got to unpack. But regardless, today was a blast. Thanks so much, Rose Lee with Tech CXO and Kelly Barner with Buyers Meeting Point and Dial P. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Thanks, yep. guys. Thank you.
All right, Gregory. Man, uh, tons of comments. I want to share a couple of these. Uh, yeah. I, I would love to have gotten to them when Kelly and Rose were still with us. Uh, um, but let's make up for lost time here. I want to share. Let's see here. Nirfad says, hopefully the maintenance and construction of newer and better roads doesn't just include sealant from Home Depot or Lowe's to patch the cracks. Excellent point there. And Susan says, and hello, Susan Nicholas, I hear Gorilla, group, uh, Gorilla <laughs> Glue is very reliable. Uh, so um, let's see here. Azalea says, with where we're heading with tourism, she thinks it's necessary, the, the, the added um, – uh, infrastructure spending looking at West Virginia accidents because of poor road conditions. Hmm. Let's see here. Peter, talk, Peter talks about flipping homes and success there, which, which he is very handy uh, from a construction standpoint. Uh, he's shared some of his projects. Apparently very strong. If you can flip an entire home. Yes. <laughs> Catherine says hard to attract businesses and people when they can't get safely to economic centers. That is a very fair point. Let's see here. Tom Holden says, how much road slash bridge repair can be expected with only 20% of the funding bill? And then finally, Kenton, and hello, Kenton, great to have you here via LinkedIn, says delivery dates for high-end bikes, more than $3,000. That is high, high, high-end. Used to be readily, that used to be readily available are at August and September 2022 for orders placed now. How about that, Grant? Right. Our friend Todd Rains has been keeping me apprised of bike parts because he's an avid rider. I would, I should say more than avid, obsessed, excessive rider. And also he's in the auto parts business and he has been seeing his fill rates reduce to like, I think he mentioned for brake parts, like 13.5% fill rate. Wow. Ordered a hundred, got 13. Okay. Wow. So um, yes, it is. That is a very real problem. Hmm. Nerfot says, Greg, tell us how you really feel. I'm not convinced. <laughs> That's funny, Nerfot. Hope this finds you well. I've enjoyed the you don't picks. Yes. If you If you don't like my comments on the U.S. government, you sure don't want to hear my comments on Canada's. <laughs> um. Oh, goodness. We'll save that for uh, Tequila Sunrise for sure. Um, Amanda says, nearly ran out of gas, headed to a bachelor party, a bachelorette party when I was eight months pregnant on I-16 because there's like one gas station from Macon to Savannah. Now there are many, many more. It's not nearly as uh, drowse, drowsiness or generating as it used to be, Amanda. So it's safe <laughs> to go to your next bachelorette party. You know, I'm just so proud that, that my wife at eight months pregnant was not going to turn down a good party. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hard... I mean, pin the tail on the donkey is really fun. <laughs> All right. A lot of good stuff there. Um, sorry, we can't get there by his comments and questions. We're a few minutes over already, but uh, outstanding session. Uh, Y'all connect with Rose Lee with Tech CXO and Kelly Barner with Buyers Meeting Point. Of course, tune in the Dow P third Tuesday of each month, 12 noon Eastern time. Looking forward to collaborating with our friends at Una and Greg, I'll give you what's, what's one, one, one point heard here today. One take something folks seem to be uh, attuned to. What would be your final comment here today? A couple of things. One, it's really interesting to hear the Boston perspective from the California perspective, right? And to see the variance of issues that we have in the states. As I have told many, many people, and I have said frequently on this show, it is the United States of America. States in the past have been small countries. And effectively what we have in the US is 50 small countries mm. trying to work and live together, sharing a common currency, common roadways, a common security and, and army and all of that to keep them safe. But I think it's hard to overstate the impact of this being a democratic republic, not a democracy, by the way, that's a fallacy uh, that we still teach in our schools. But this is really a representative republic of 50 countries who have effectively come together for common security and other infrastructure type benefits. So. Yeah. To see the variance from state to state, it is really a collection of 50 cultures, of 50 points of view. And of course, there are points of view within each one of those. So it's really, really interesting to see like Catherine's take on this versus Rose's take versus 
uh, Kelly's take and my take and yours, Scott, it, it's we are fortunate to be in a place that is so diverse. If you don't like the state you're in, you can go to one that fits you better. Right. And right. literally and have the and have be right the, across the border. Right. And have the discussion publicly and, and with the uh, freedom to, to say what's on our mind. That, that's well, something. Not so much that anymore, but <laughs> hopefully that comes back. Folks, finding common ground, it can be found, I can assure it can be. you. It can be. But great discussion here today. Um, I agree with you, Azalea. I'd love another hour. I'd love to dive deeper on some of the things we couldn't hear today with Rose and Kelly and Greg and many others in the skyboxes. So, folks, join us for these upcoming events we shared on the front end. Give us some feedback. Of course, you can reach out to Amanda. Reach out to any of us on social media. We'd love to, you know, if, if there are topics that um, you see kind of maybe gaps in our programming things things or people or companies you want to hear more from uh, we'll take that feedback but would and we'd welcome it uh, feedback is certainly one of our lifebloods here join us for the webinars join us for the sessions you're not going to want to miss the mini master class with peter bole and many others it's gonna be really good stuff well worth yeah. the price of free admission and but most importantly whatever you do money back guarantee greg whatever That's you right. do do good give forward be the change that's needed, and we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.